Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. Welcome back. This week is an absolute treasure. I really connected with my guest this week, and I feel as though we've begun what will be a long friendship. That's really what this podcast is all about. I know we don't really get to connect in real life, but at some point in the future, maybe we will. Either at an Enseca or a regional conference, or maybe we do a Zoom or a Hangout. That's all the rave now, right? Who knows? But I do feel that we are connecting, and I appreciate you all being here. My next guest teaches at a high school in Virginia. She teaches five levels of ceramics. Her insight will inspire you as we move from survive to thrive in this remote learning environment. In this episode, she will share specific assignments geared towards giving students permission to create within their home studio environments. We discuss how the emergence of student skill can be inspired through collaboration of mentors and makers. I learned so much from the generosity of this conversation. So let's take some time and create our own creative space to enjoy this chat with Julia Cardone. All right, I'm here with Julia Cardone. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thanks for having me, Julie. It's great to be here and to meet you. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. That makes me feel special. Um, want to get a little bit of context about you and uh, where you teach. So where you teach, what you teach, your class sizes uh, would be helpful. Well, we're at, I'm at a very small independent school in Northern Virginia called Flint Hill School. Uh, the school itself serves JK through 12, but I'm at the upper school. So I have a mix of grades 9 through 12 in five different sections of ceramics, um, some, sometimes more or less, but five levels um, are covered. Um, most of my classes are semester long, but the AP 3D design classes, um, a year long course. So when you say uh, that you have five periods of classes, are they, do they build on each other or is it all intro? Right. So five different levels, sorry, ceramic one, two, three, there's a topics honors course and the AP studio art 3D design. Um, and my max in my rooms at any given point is 12. Okay. So, so max of 12 students per class, but sometimes we'll have three sections mixed together. Like the, right now I've got honors, ceramic three and AP meeting together. Gotcha. Do you ever have like a level three and a level one in the same class? That's the one thing I don't do. I don't mix ceramics one because I, I have one semester to introduce them to the, you know, fundamentals and foundation of working with clay and hand building. So I feel like that's a little bit difficult. So my first, I, I mean, it's completely doable, but with the structure of our school, I have the freedom to separate that one out to just build a, a good foundation with those intro students. And then ceramics two and three, we move to the wheel. Honors is where they would um, have a little bit more choice, start by exploring what it is to create a self-designed project and a, body, a small body of work. And then studio art is 
you know, where they get much more in-depth with some higher level skills and concepts. And each of those classes are a semester, except for the AP? Correct. So they could take uh, level one and then level two in a year. Do, do a lot of students end up taking a full year of ceramics or do they spread it out over nine through 12? It's a real mix. You know, it's a real mix. I, and we do struggle sometimes with scheduling as we have um, only 570 students, but an incredible amount of uh, courses offered as electives just in the fine arts department alone, never mind throughout other programs. Right. Such, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm always in awe over how schools do scheduling and every school is different. You know, like we have the opposite of schools. You have 500 and some students. I have 5,000. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, we, both, we will still struggle to get students, you know, scheduled into our classes and to get the classes mm -hmm. scheduled the right way. Um, mm -hmm. That's interesting. Makes me giggle. <laughs> Cool. Well, that's that's a pretty exciting uh, class size, being one that comes yeah. from a large class size. Uh, I bet you really get a lot of uh, time with each student uh, on your pro on the projects. Yes, I do. And you know what's the added bonus is um, what's really special is they're able to access the studio outside of their class time, which is probably true for for you and others. I don't. You, actually, you might struggle with that a little bit more if you have so many students not present. during the class yeah. day like I can't have right. a third period kid come in during first or fifth right. Uh, right. but I can do like after school or during my prep on a limited basis I'll tell you what when you teach you know almost 200 kids you're like no more <laughs> right <laughs> oh yes yes especially with how diverse our responsibilities are you know I can't imagine um i'm all you know it's all it's a struggle for all of us to Absolutely. manage all the recycling and the firing and the planning and the prep so um yeah but i think based on the intimacy of our program i am able to open up my doors throughout the day which has many benefits as well so a ceramics one student might be observing the you know honors kids while they're working on their projects and hopefully aspiring to you know, a higher level of thinking. And I think that accelerates my students as well. You know, the schoolhouse system seems to work pretty well in many areas. If it's not in the traditional classroom time, at least through our studio community time. I love that. And and I do think that, you know, it, it would help build that studio community. And, and those students are, it's like little brother, big brother, like siblings, you know, they're always trying Absolutely. to do what their older siblings are doing. You've moved to this online uh, situation with mm -hmm. all of us. And so uh, if you could start with, um, is your school one-to-one -one with technology? Yes, we are. We are a one-to-one -one school and an Apple site school. So heavily, we're heavily um, outfitted with mechanisms and devices. <laughs> so, so the transition was fairly, let's, let's emphasize fairly easy for maybe the students. Right. Well, I, you know, I am really impressed. I'm so impressed um, by our school and our tech team and our community and how like supportive and collaborative everyone has been. Um, I tend to be much slower to technology. Um, I think I, you know, I use what I need to survive and thrive to the best of my ability. Uh, but I don't generally seek beyond what, you know, what is needed for the day-to-day -day in my wheelhouse because so much of what we're doing is hands-on. I might need to focus a little bit more on 
figuring out my my damp box and and logistics of space rather than really you know jumping into Google Classroom. But I am really impressed with how our our tech support team and all of my colleagues really came together. And on our planning days, they had um, lots of workshops and they continue to host workshops to support us learning new programs and having um, little cohort groups to help one another through uh, the transition and, and, you know, and ongoing how we better our teaching. So in so many ways, I, I feel like I've had this little hesitant wish, wish list, an apprehensive wish list to become stronger with Photoshop or to, you know, maybe think about um, Padlet and what have you, or, or to, you know, all video record more demos. And I, I never quite get to those places in my prep time, but right now I'm getting there. And, and it's pretty exciting to be stockpiling all that data, you know, and, and to feel more confident um, using all of that technology to improve my, my teaching overall. I think you hit the, the nail on the head though with uh, ceramics teachers. When we have our prep period, it's not like, oh, I'm gonna go design my curriculum. It's like, I gotta mm -hmm. fill glaze bottles. I gotta load the kiln. I gotta wipe down these tables. I gotta unclog my sink. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. ceramics is so unique in that yeah. our, as an instructor, we have so much to do beyond yes. just delivering instruction and working with mm -hmm. students. Um, mm -hmm. And I would agree with you. I think that this extra time, I keep, I always say, oh, we have all this extra time. And literally I have no time with this shutdown <laughs> every minute of every day. Um, but I, it's maybe it's like free mind space as opposed to time. Mm -hmm. uh, you mm -hmm. know, one of it for me, it's I don't have to commute. So I feel like I've been gifted two hours a day, which is really nice. Right. But right. that that mind space of like, oh, hey, wait, I've always wanted to learn and then insert whatever technology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the space, you know, it, that's interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up because a lot of what has been echoing in my brain has been um, that I wouldn't say free emotional space because we're, you know, all dealing with something so terribly challenging right now in the world. And there's so much concern connected to that. But the space to explore and utilize everything that we do stockpile that we don't always have the physical or intellectual ceramic energy to apply. You know, I've been suddenly forcing myself to hand build more. And while I'm doing so, I'm listening to your podcast. I'm accessing other resources that then are coming back into the classroom. So it's, it's a, um, a really surprising creative space for for me as an educator, as a maker. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting where that space is supporting all of us. Absolutely. And it's like that full circle. It's all, but it is full. It's yes. full. <laughs> and full circle. Yes. Yes. But full and full circle. Let's talk a little bit about how you're delivering your uh, instruction to your students. Mm -hmm. What does that look like as far as like a week is concerned? What kind of, um, how do you assign the assignments and how are you interacting with students? Mm -hmm. Well, as far as assigning, we have a school website that I use to post their assignments. And I, and I took on the Google Classroom uh, program as well. And Initially, I felt a little bit overwhelmed by having both because 
really the home base is still our, our school site and our grade book. Um, but Google Classroom supports me and retrieving the work from them. So um, we had to iron out some wrinkles there. You know, um, the, the kids have been very supportive. It's giving me feedback and helping me learn because they're used to using this tool in all of their other classes. They're experts. It's crazy. So, yeah. So I'm assigning through those two channels. Um, and then we have two one hour meetings per class a week. Um, and then we have an office hours period of time at the end of each day where we're able to meet with anyone who, you know, wants to have an, a further conversation or show me an update. So you're two, when you're meeting with your classes two times a week, that's live synchronous instruction, correct? Yes, it's synchronous time with them. I've been kind of reading all the Facebook posts and Instagram posts and trying to extract really how many of us are doing live instruction, um, how many are not. And I'm finding, I think that the larger public schools are not doing the live instruction, um, but I'm finding more of the independent schools are. And so I think, you know, our, our listeners are a diverse population. Uh, so I, I am also teaching live synchronous instruction twice a week. And it, it's been challenging. So I'm really excited to kind of talk with you through that and, and get some ideas as far as um, what you're teaching the students. Uh, so maybe you can walk us through a couple projects that you have found to be successful. Um, maybe just the project as far as like an assignment and then how you supported that assignment with the live instruction. Gosh, I really look forward to that synchronous time with them, right? Especially maybe because we're such a small program and um, we, I often say we're small but mighty, you know, <laughs> we seem very interconnected. Um, the kids, the studio mates and myself as their instructor. So I look forward to that time being able to check in with them and just seeing their faces and, and taking a read on the temperature and just knowing that they're, that they're okay. Um, and it's interesting. And so that was important at first. I was so nervous about getting into that space you know, it felt like this very bizarre vacuum. Um, I totally right agree. I, and like, and, I hate looking at myself on camera, like seeing pictures right. or videos of myself. And it's like, we shut down our schools and I have to be on everything now. I'm, <laughs> I finally have gotten over the hump of like seeing and hearing myself on video and on audio. So thankfully that took a while. Well, yeah. So that initially was pretty tough. Um, so. But when they showed up, and I think, I mean, I, I don't know how helpful this will be, but the first uh, project I gave to my upper level kids, and um, eventually to all, but to the upper level kids, the, the first assignment, if you will, was to for them to create their studio space at home. Oh, wow. So yeah, what does that look like? Where is it? Um, and what do you need? How does that function? How is it different? What kind of reflective perspective do you have now on what it is to be in our studio um, that is, you know, so full and rich with resources and now to, you know, think outside the box and um, get creative with how you work and how you make and how you think in, in this space at home. Um, and that, you know, it was, that was an interesting transformation for myself when we moved to, um, a residence not too long ago that inhibited my ability to have a full working studio. So all of a sudden I have a clay studio on my dining room table um, in my space, but it was funny that I learned so much. So in assigning this project to them and what, what does this look like? How will you document that? How are you reflecting on that space? 
I too was experiencing that it's okay and possible to make anywhere, right? And with anything. What so, a great lesson for both yeah. of you. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like that was pretty transformative to get that perspective and, you know, for me to suddenly be thriving and making while dinner is being prepared, you know, in this space where the family is functioning and I'm having little breakthroughs and observations in my teaching and my making, and that can all uh, happen in the same realm. Whereas I think I compartmentalized all of that too much in the past. So uh, with my students, when I asked them to document this initially, um, it was in our first days of this, this arena that felt so distant. And I remember one of my AP kids submitted the most clever documentary style film with all of this personality and humor of um, what it is like for her to function in this, in this home. And she is here living with guardians. She's here from another country living with guardians. And the guardians moved a, a series of their stuff out of the garage to allow her to have a space. Wow. Right. So and she had a lot of... Yeah, and she had a lot of work at home. And prior to this, she was very concerned about how this was going to evolve and how she'd be able to finish up her investigation and her body of work. So suddenly she's created this film that was so poignant um, and real that I could, I could feel myself in that room with her. And I just knew I could see and feel and smell, uh, you know, like the studio um, thriving. And I, I could see that she was more than okay, that she was thriving. And honestly, I got really emotional. I can imagine. Yeah, it was so moving. Well, and I even, I, it makes me think of in my own life, I, I would love to work out a little bit more. And I always say, well, I can't work out. I don't have a space and I don't have, you know, I don't have the right equipment. And then my husband went and turned our garage into a gym and he's like, here you go. This is what you said you wanted. And now I'm like, Oh, but it inspires, right? So now that right. space inspires the work. And so here we are with these students. Um, and, and I know that you have a lot of upper level students, um, but even maybe the entry, you know, you said it, you did it with mm -hmm. all of the students, the mm -hmm. students that are just joining the art world, just joining yeah. making to carve mm -hmm. out a space in their life that they will now look at that as a creative space is incredible. Correct. What a great idea. Yeah. Well, thanks. Well, yeah. thanks. So, that, yeah. so we ended up seeing that across the board that people activated their spaces really well, even if, and there was some pushback, you know, I had some of the beginner students were saying, look, I've got a small house and a lot of people, it's Northern Virginia, it's a, you know, mm -hmm. it's a crazy busy space. And now we're all here together and doing the best we can. Um, and I said, you know, I completely understand that here is my two foot square realm on my table. So do you think there's a few inches somewhere you can grab hold of, you know, like we're, we're not making Kaneko's. No. <laughs> and it can be multi-purpose space. You know, like you said, it's on your dining table. You don't leave it out right. the whole time. It's like, what can you do to the space that will make it the art space when it's there? And then you can convert it back to a dining table right. when you need to. What I really love is the byproduct, the, the, the documentation and the thought behind it, you know, that they're really appreciating now what they're missing what we have, you know, and what's been available to them. And also, and I love the and of um, seeing all the possibility in taking a comb to use as a serrated rib. I love the evolution there.
Absolutely. And they have to look around and figure it out. They don't, they mm -hmm. can't walk over to the toolbox and <laughs> pull out a serrated rib. Right. So after uh, encouraging your students to create this creative space, right. um, what other kind of projects have you done that you mm -hmm. might have also supported during that live instruction period? Yeah, well, <clears throat> for my entry level kids, um, I mean, initially we started with um, found object and materials that were available to us. So um, there were some projects that we had started a project with ceramics one before we left a, a slab piece uh, that I call pop-up vessels and I think many teachers instruct with two slab profiles of a form and then the walls attached um, just getting into like architectural forms and I like to make the um, analogy to like and I'm dating myself but I'm like you know, remember when cartoon characters would get steamrolled and they were in that that middle ground of emerging back into full round, you know, these are our pop-up vessels. So I love that. Um, That's a great analogy. <laughs> so we um, kind of jumped right back into that, but I encouraged them to use uh, materials in their space, primarily probably cardboard, but some found foam, some use some aluminum foil, things like that. Um, so that was a good start for them. Whereas ceramics two had just started throwing um, mugs and cups and tumblers. So with them, I gave them immediate choice on <laughs> creating mug forms. Um, and then most of the most of the assignment was weighted in how they represented the objects later. So um, that was kind of interesting. I had one piece come back from a student where they used, and this is common, a lot of aluminum cans were used to create mugs, but some of them got very detailed and intricate, um, where you could tell they're consuming um, <laughs> a large amount of soda, which is terrifying. But oh my goodness, <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't know people bought that much soda anymore. But uh, I know, um, right? I mean, but right? there is also seltzer water. Maybe it's bubbly, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was so cool because they, one of them, created um, a video piece about recycling and about using and you know, so utility meets like how things are transitioned. So she was filming with lots of just sound of bubbles and the effervescence and you know, the filling and then the slamming of the recycling bin and, and then the repeat of the cans and all the cups clanking against each other. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yes, I love how we're starting to see these pieces of installation and performance you know, emerge from their, their thinking and their work. And I love so. all of those words that you said, uh, you know, when we say the visual arts, we're looking, looking at a piece of artwork, but yet there's so much more to it. You know, there's so many sounds and smells and all of the other senses that can come mm -hmm. into these projects. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So they surprised me. Yeah. So cans and Uno cards and all kinds of things you just wouldn't expect. So um, but not long after that, we were um, really blessed in that um, we got to work with our distributor to set up shipments of ceramic materials to every student's home. So Clayworks Supplies rocked 
that for that's us. That's amazing. And yeah. I think that that like that speaks to your school and to that company, uh, but also to the size of your school and the number of students. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it's really special. I think the the school that you're at. Uh, it, it sounds like you have a really great community too that you guys mm-hmm. have built there. Um, so you were able to get all that clay into the hands of your students. And then how have those projects evolved uh, now? I, I think the ceramics ones are really happy to be back in clay. I, know. <laughs> I bet my, my kids are like, oh, I miss it so much. So I can imagine that they just went nuts. I mean, to be honest, the, the 2D contrast pieces and the cardboard were not uh, uniformly as strong across the board as I, as I anticipated because they'd already been doing such great work in the studio. Um, but, you know, certainly there were some great results, but it wasn't quite what I expected across the board. And then when they got back into clay, I think it must have still communicated. I've only had them since mid-January, by the way. So right. we're still all new to each other. But um, when we got back to working with clay together, um, I would demo. I was demoing coiling with them. And they are... Uh, watching and then beginning to coil and we'll coil together now in class time um, and I'm really impressed with the way that they're seeing form I think that those those pop-up vessels might not have been as strong as um, I had anticipated overall but I, I think it it um, really communicated form to them in some new ways that are now resonating as we build in the round um, so I'm, I'm pretty impressed to see how they're functioning in the space and and now they're moving into how they take coil um, and we're talking about, and I think this could be a great project to modify um, even just in a research capacity, but it's, it's called Coilaborate. So they're researching an artist in any, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you gotta have fun, right? You do, you do. <laughs> yeah. A lot, there's a lot of one-liners and like collaborate, captivate, all right. <laughs> well, but that's how we have to get these teenagers. Like they, sometimes they are coming in drooling and sound asleep because they're staying up till two, three in the morning on their phones. Right. 9 a.m. classes. Oh, they're a, they're a mess. Yeah. Yep. Every little thing that we can do that helps us tap dance in front of them just is another hook. So tell, tell us more about that. I love this. Well, so I, yeah, and I'm, I'm loving the collaborative project. Um, direction right now. So they oh, they need to research an artist um, and works in any medium and then bring something from that, you know, it, it's an imaginary dialogue, really. They're having this conversation. So if they're looking at Tony Orsler or doing all of this um, installation work and combining all these different media, um, they're having an imaginary conversation with his work and him and his practice and his background. And, and then thinking about how would that resonate? How could that dialogue resonate in my next creative piece? So I'm not asking them, I I never ask students to reproduce, but how can you internalize this research and the time that you're spending in this space? Like what would you, what would you speak to this artist about? What type of um, elements in their work are you attracted to or drawn to or, or, uh, you know, opposed to like what, what is, you know, um, hitting you in a negative way and, and how would that conversation look if they were in the room with you right through all that research then designing pieces what do they produce is it uh, like do they write about it do they speak about it yeah they're going to do a combination of those things right now they're in the planning and early building stages so 
they start with the research, then the perspective on how things resonate in their own work. So this is where I think it'd be great if you don't have materials, just the, the research and then the drawings and the exploration of even collage and how you could bring in some interesting 2D to 3D sound object works with other media. And it could be really exciting. There's so many interesting challenges there for all of us. Um, but for my kids, they're now producing coil pots that will bring in either through surface or form some emergence of that of that inspiration based off of this, you know, kind of um, one-sided collaborative effort. I really like the dialogue, like what you kept saying about the student having a dialogue with the artist. And uh, because I don't have clay at my school, um, I'm really trying to focus a lot on writing and in in their own words. Uh, so sometimes I'll have them actually speak it, record, and submit the assignment. Sometimes I have them write it. But I love the idea of a dialogue, almost having the students do something creative with um, create an imaginary interview with the artist where they're asking yeah. questions and they're imagining what their answers would be based on the research of that artist. Just that's why I love talking to art teachers, yeah. teachers is, you know, you'll say one word and my brain just explodes in a whole nother path. And, and so yeah. thank you. Well, I mean, that's such a great idea that creates such an interesting layer. And I guess what, you know, what I'm seeing that's surprising me right now is the way that we document and how, and a lot of our conversation in class is often, okay, so even if that vessel form doesn't have the most interesting elements to it as far as like technique and construction, right now we're focusing a little bit more on how we're communicating our finished work and a lot of that is like through installation so you're also going to use an environment so where they're installing those cups and creating some sort of documentary or bringing you know board games in the background or bring it into a natural space in a garden and presenting somewhere else so yeah so what you're bringing in is just a whole new interesting place right? To bring it into that interview perspective or that I love how you bring up the audio aspect. I've brought up like a lot of video so far or photography, but the notion of bringing audio into it and storytelling or, yeah. I think I, I am focusing, my lens has been turned into audio because of this situation. Mm -hmm. My school has been very, uh, very particular about not having the students record their faces. So when we do our live synchronous instruction, I'm not allowed to have the students' faces shown, uh, which is fine. It's a little different. It's harder to feel that connection with the students. But um, in the chat, we do a lot of chatting and the students are um, not that it, it's there for me, but they're, they're affirming me. And I say, are you guys there? Ten, tell me something or answer this question. And so some students will unmute and they will speak to me and other students will chat. So I have made this shift almost purely to audio right now. Yeah. <laughs> so when I think of the students in their own words, I just think of them recording audio and, and submitting that. So. I want to make sure that we get to this next thing because this is very exciting and I know that okay. it was special for you. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your recent artist visit that you had oh, on Google Hangout with your class? Yeah. Oh, this was so awesome. Um, so we had, I had a conversation with, uh, and I've had several conversations with alums, friends, 
colleagues um, about taking this opportunity to um, have a little bit of a visiting artist series while we're in this time away. And I, I had never met Peter Pincus before, but he and I got to have uh, a wonderful, wonderful conversation about his work. And in that um, meeting, we started exploring where he teaches and uh, the work that he's doing. Um, and he generously offered to come visit any one of my classes and my meets. And I was stunned, stunned and overwhelmed. Yeah. So, uh, and I didn't quite know what to expect. He said, uh, this is, this is cute. He said, um, I'm going to do a little bit of an art history talk, but I promise to keep it fun. You know, <laughs> hmm. I, I know. And, and we don't have, uh, that's another thing is the, the art history, the ceramic history piece. We um, don't have as much time or space, right. like you and I spoke about space earlier, and um, to address some of those topics. So I was um, really excited to have that time and space with uh, such an incredible professional. Um, and, but I didn't know what area he would focus on or what topics he'd cover. And I did put in the request of, you know, I have a, a couple of students that I knew have admired his work for so many years. Because uh, some of these kids I might work with all four years of high school. Right. And so, he's popular. When the kids go out to Instagram right. and start searching, his, yeah. his beautiful, the colors, it just draws you in. And, and I always have yeah. students choosing him for their artist reports. Right. Right. So a couple of these kids um, were losing their minds knowing that he was coming to visit us. Yeah. Yeah. So he came by. I did make the request uh, beforehand. I was like, well, could you talk about your work just a teensy bit too, you know? Please, please. (laughs) Yeah, we'd love the art history um, perspective, but we, you know, we're big fans of your work. And so, um, so he came by last week and gave the kids um, an art history session that covered a ceramics history that talked about Etruria, the Etruscans, brought it into Wedgwood really looked at some of the contrasts and comparisons and um, some of those forms and transitions and elements. Um, and then he moved that forward into like the modern world and some connectivity in his own work. Wow. And I, oh, I'm sorry, and be, sorry, did begin with ancient Greece as well. So uh, that evolution from, uh, you know, ancient Greece all the way up to like what he's doing today. And then he sits down and he's putting a handle on one of his cups. Oh my gosh. Right. In an hour, in an hour. In one hour. I, he gets one hour. <laughs> right. Right. Like I can barely talk about one coffee mug in an hour. Yeah. That's <laughs> so impressive. <laughs> I was just blown away. I mean, all of the history and getting into, um, some of his time at the Birmingham Museum and, and some of the collections he spent time with and um, giving us some sense of German pots. And I, there were just so many layers of wow. history and language and culture and criticism and then process. I, I mean, yeah, I still, I, I don't even fully know how to internalize everything that he shared with us. I, I, I'm getting this image, uh, and this will show my age, of like back in the 80s or 90s of somebody holding a ghetto blaster, like a big stereo, and it's so loud that their hair is blowing like straight back yeah. on it. Oh, perfect. That's what I yes. feel like your students probably were during that hour. Yes, yes, <laughs> and myself as well, because, you know, just his process to me is um, like way over my pay grade, you know? <laughs> 
Well, when you like, I went through and because I had known that this had happened. And so like, as I was prepping for our interview, I I went through and I read a couple um, articles about, about him. And um, I got to one that was really in detail explaining his process. And I was like, holy cow, like (laughs) I had no idea. It's pretty intricate. Very, very. Yeah. And, and I have so many questions still. Um, he was so generous and, and really did explain things very, very well, but there's, there's just so much. I mean, it's kind of like when you hear Beth Kavanagh's Dichter talk about the, you know, the nine layers of paint and primer she uses and how she like three different epoxies and all that. It just, for someone like me, at a technical perspective, it absolutely blows my brain away. You know, So I, I have to take it in part, but Absolutely. But I also think that that it brings up a whole nother conversation. I like I have a, an extensive mug collection that I've gathered through mm-hmm. the years as I'm looking at your beautiful ceramic collection behind you <laughs> in your uh, kitchen you. or living room. Um, ceramic, we hoard, ceramic teachers hoard and, and we collect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that the dialogue with the students that I have, my students always want to know how much I spent on that mug or that cup. How Mm -hmm. much did that cost for you? Mm -hmm. And I think that the craftsmanship and the detail and the care and the time that it takes art to make artwork um, versus the dollar amount that's on the sticker on the bottom of a cup is such an interesting conversation to have with students. Um, so that, that just kind of came up into my head because I know that he has, you know, a a lot of work that my students have just, oh, and so that, that the time, the care, the art, the artistry, the craftsmanship. Yeah. I can't even imagine how, how you bring, I mean, pricing is a difficult conversation, especially with kids, right? I mean, I think that's, you're right. It's an interesting one to have, um, but you can get complicated as well. Um, but right, with the level of intricacy in his work, I can't even imagine how um, the number of hours and the, yeah. the, the intricacy goes into, you know, the end result and, the, and that ticket. I don't know. But it was, you know, interestingly enough, though, I mean, there's, there's some kind of thing that I live by that came from my mentor and that if we're going to err, let's err on the side of generosity. Yes. And yeah, and I love, I mean, that's, some of what I love about our community and that we are just also generous and giving of our time and work and space and hands and um, hearts. And um, he, you know, I'm a stranger to him and these kids are as well, but he was just so generous with that time and it was fun and he's willing to come back. I mean, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So inspirational. Yeah. What was some of the student feedback at? Have you, have you met with the students since the interview? Mm -hmm. Have you heard from them? What did they have? I'm so curious what they said. Right. They're submitting written statements right now um, about, and I wanted to get that right away because I don't have a meeting with them until Monday, and that was Thursday. Um, And they are finding, it was interesting, there's an array. One of them found some connectivity. This was very high level for me. Uh, One of my students came originally from living in Japan when he was very young. Um, to the States and Virginia. And, and he found a connection between how Peter brought such a wide spectrum and, and cyclical perspective to us. This particular student found that connectivity in his own life and, and gave, it gave him a little bit more um, freedom, I think, in how he explores those connecting points. So it was 
him reflecting on a deeper level of how he lives as a maker and making some of those um, multitudes of connecting points in his own process through seeing Peter bring in like the history, um, the backdrop of the Etruscans and, and Wedgwood and what have you. This student was saying, wow, I see these echoes from Japan and my life and now what, I, what I'm doing with this contrast and where I'm going, how I'm thinking about my work. So some of what I was seeing was um, the inspiration of a, a mentor, a, like giving us freedom to fully accept our experience as humans and where we're going as makers. So wow. I was expecting more of, oh, color and pattern and I want to explore mold making on a higher level, but it was, it, I think it was much higher level um, thinking than that. That's amazing. Student, the high school students amaze me. The ones that get it, they just, they go all the way. They're all in. Yeah. And I think too, I think this next week will be amazing for you as you actually get to face-to-face -face, kind of debrief the conversation. I'm sure that those kids are going to have a lot to say uh, verbally to you as well. You'll probably get the color, the, you know, <laughs> those. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And that's great too. I mean, yeah. just the confidence and the security in, you know, feeling that whatever we express and, and how we express and with what materials we're expressing, that there's so much validity in, you know, that risk taking and that opportunity for making mistakes and finding new paths. And yeah, so, I mean, that can be hard for us. Yeah. And isn't that interesting right now, given the situation that we're in, you know, this, this ability to express themselves, students, you know, through art, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're feeling so many emotions right now. They're all over the place. And, and I've been trying to get to my students in a way of saying, well, use art, use your art to um, create, to move through, to process, you know, giving them the opportunity for this. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. I think it, they need it. They need it. I mean, we all do. Oh, and what's, you know, what's funny and the byproduct of all of this too is um, I, I had an interesting conversation with a student where they were saying that their families were um, smitten with the materials they now had available to them. And parents or siblings were saying like, gosh, I really always wanted to try that or learn that. So the, you know, the next level of my layering on some of my assignments is for um, them to become the teachers and to instruct someone in their home life, in their quarantine life to create with that clay as well. Wow. Um, so, so it's kind of interesting, mentors, makers, yeah. Um, I wanna give you a chance to talk about um, your own artwork and, and you as a maker. I know that you have said that you were uh, making some things on your dining room table. Do you make? Mm -hmm. and I do, I do. Um, right now I, I am using um, much of the facility at my school and I do have a wheel in the garage and I create with that as well but I'm forcing I'm forcing myself not to because they don't have access to that um, tool so I feel like it's it's a good space for me to um, push myself in other other avenues um, I do make I have a few kind of retail pottery sales a, a year uh, it varies on how much um, I work in porcelain and yeah, I do what I can. I'm always wishing that I could uh, focus a little more attention there and um, nurture that practice. But um, yeah, I'm actively producing work. Good well. for you. If our listeners want to find you, where they can they go to find you? Oh, right. And technology, I'm, I'm getting better, but um, <laughs> I'm kind of a, 
a little bit of a quiet participant, I feel. They're yeah. not going to drive to Virginia to find you. <laughs> well, that would be great. Well, they could, um, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. My, my husband makes a mean brunch. Come on over. Um, <laughs> I, I guess Instagram is probably the best. Um, yeah. Cardone Studios on Instagram. And I don't post as frequently as I, I wish, but maybe I'll get better there too. Yeah, it's, uh, everybody's different and everybody finds their, their access point different. I love that you said you, you do a couple sales a year. And I, I think that, you know, life happens and uh, I know, you know, we all have families and other things going on. It's uh, you find the art when you can make it and it fills your soul. So, mm-hmm. well, Julia, Absolutely. this was awesome. I think I could probably talk to you all day. Um, so I'd love that. <laughs> we should probably wrap this up so people can go yes. to work. Yes. Yes. Um, but it was really, really lovely to connect with you today. You gave us some great ideas. Uh, and I'm looking forward to kind of uh, writing down some of these brainstorms that I've had throughout this. Well, Julie, thank you so much. And, and thank you to all of our friends that have been contributing so much to one another to um, help us grow through this. I was really lost initially and it's feeling now like we can have so much fun exploring what's available to us right now. It's a good distraction from what we're all experiencing. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for chatting with me. This interview with Julia was amazing. We could have kept going on and on. And I was just so interested in what she had to say. Julia has a deep toolbox of experience, expertise, and just plain old curiosity. The best part is that she is extremely kind and generous. After only spending a little bit of time with her, I could tell that Julia lives generously in all aspects of her life. Speaking of generosity, I have to acknowledge a person who lives this to their core. I recently added a member to my team to help with a podcast. It's been a big step to reach out, and this individual generously jumped on board. So I shout out a big thank you to my husband, Eric Newman, for his love and support, but also for his listening skills, his writing skills, and just his loving, constructive criticism. This is a big task to do, and it's so much easier to do it with a little bit of help. So thank you. Also, the biggest thanks to all of you for coming back and connecting each week. So with that, I bid you farewell. Stay healthy, friends, and keep connecting.